Good evening, everybody. Hello, I didn't say good morning. Good evening, good evening. Let's stand together. Welcome to Living Word. It's good to be here for our midweek service. Gathering together to worship the Lord, amen. So let's just prepare our hearts, bow our heads as we just enter into the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, Lord. We are here for you and only you. We pray, God, that you would help us just to shed the day, shed the week, and shed everything that's not of you, Lord. Prune away the things, God, that are keeping us from focusing on you, Lord Jesus, and help us to fix our eyes on you and only you tonight. We are so grateful that you are so faithful and gracious and merciful and just. And we thank you that we have a victory in you, Lord. So we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just come and counsel us tonight, Lord, and that we would just be able to feel your spirit move in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are. 
on that cross so we didn't have to so we've come here Lord just to worship you
song hallelujah father we praise your glorious name and we truly say lord god how great you are lord god how great is our lord god the creator of all things an artist the almighty one elohim in the beginning he created it all you sustain it all lord god and you sustain the very breath lord god that comes from our lungs and the beating lord god that comes from our hearts And Lord God, you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, as a living sacrifice, who died for us on the cross of Calvary and on the third day was raised from the dead. And Jesus, you're alive and you're with us tonight. Lord God, we know that. We sense your presence here. Lord God, we love being in your presence. We love coming together, Lord God, as the body of Christ, the ecclesia, and worshiping you. So we give you all the glory, Lord God, and we say to you, Lord God, how great thou art, our God our King, our Lord, our everything. Hallelujah to you, Lord God. Praise your glorious name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you all. Kids, you can go upstairs. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Fred. Tito, we missed you and your family. Uh, I'm going to preach, and then we're going to we'll pray. I want to encourage you to be prayerful. I won't share more than I think you could bear, but this world is teetering right now, and um, if you know what's going on, there's there's very scary talk coming out of Russia, and uh, 
You have nukes being dropped. Let me tell you, it's a scary thing. We can be going to be with the Lord very quickly. <laughs> yeah. We just would rather not go that way. <laughs> I prefer to go with the rapture or with a nice peaceful death, and all of a sudden, <laughs> So what I'm going to talk to you about tonight, I want to talk to you, and the title of the message is Dare to be Different. Dare to be different. I want you to stand with me for the reading of the word. It's Leviticus chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God, according to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt. You shall not do, and according to the doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not do... Nor, walk, nor shall you walk in the ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Father, you call us, you call us, <laughs> you call us to be different. Lord God, you call us out of the crowd. You call us, Lord God, to go against the flow. Lord, you call us to be a very peculiar people. And Father God, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We'd sit at your feet, Jesus, and you would impress this truth upon us, Lord God. And that, Lord God, we leave here differently than when we came in. I pray this, Lord God, for all here tonight, and I pray your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So, you see this theme throughout the Scripture. You see it in the New Testament. You see it in the Old Testament. It's not only an Old Testament concept. If you go to Romans chapter 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are to not be conformed to the world that is around us, to be transformed and being transformed into the very image of Yeshua, our Lord and our Savior. Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Folks, is it not crooked? Is it not crooked? Is it not twisted? Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Psalm 1, verse 1, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, right? What does he do? What's the verse that follows? Hmm. He meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. And he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. He is very different than the people of the world. And 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17 tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, the pride of possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Just just a few of so many passages that basically convey the message, dare to be different. I want to say this to you. I do see people in the church, and I see people in the churches at times who really are afraid to be different. And I want to say this to you. Do not be afraid of being different. Be afraid of being the same as everyone else. You should really be concerned if you're just the same as everybody else. 
So he calls us to be different. So we're going to go through the chapter, and I want to cover a couple of key things with you. The first is, again, just simply be different. I'm, I'm not going to read verses 1 through 5 to you, but notice, notice what the, I, I, I put it in, in, you know, highlighted in red. You shall not do, right? You shall not do, you shall not do what the Egyptians do. Right? You've come out of Egypt. That's a, a symbol of coming out of the world. We have come out of the world. We left the world. The Israelites left Egypt. It says, shall, you, know, you all shall, shall not walk right, in uh, their ordinances or their judgments or walk in, you know, walk in the, the things that they do, but you know, we are to be different again. We are to be different than the Egyptians. We are to be different than the Canaanites. Because, and again, notice, because I am the Lord your God. So we are to be different. We are to be different than the people of the world. We're to have different morals. We're to have different ethics. We're to have different values. We're to essentially be walking in the word, not walking in the world. Think about that. You know, First Peter chapter 2, it says we're supposed to be a peculiar people. Peculiar! Do people ever seem to look at you and say you're a little odd? They should be. You should appear a little odd to them. A little strange. A little weird. A little different. You don't have to be a spaced out Christian cadet, which sometimes I see people like that. But So this guy here, this guy here is the head of the church of Satan. I don't know if you've ever seen him on TV. He, you'll, you'll frequently see him on some of the news shows. And... Um, he prides himself that he and his followers are radicals and rebels. And I want to propose this to you. I don't believe they're radicals and, and, and rebels. I believe they're conformists. They are the conformists. They, the, the Satanists are conforming to the world. It's, it's their world. Satan is the prince and power of the air. He's the lord of this world, the god of this age, the ruler of the world. Jesus said that three times in the Gospel of John. So they are conformists. So you see, when you see people, right, the, the, those who, uh, I mean, the Antifa crowd burning down buildings, these, these rebellious groups, they are, they are conformists, folks. They're not rebels. They're doing exactly what the God of this world does. The truth is that we, as Christians, we are the radicals and we are the rebels. We are not under Satan's dominion. We, we, are, we are the minority. They are the majority who are out there. So we are, we are ever, right? The true Christian is ever swimming against the flow of this world. The true Christian is a rebel, and they stand as a rebel against the majority of conformists, and we don't fit in. So look at what Jesus, look at what Jesus said in, in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are, can you read that word with me? There are, you know what that means? That's the majority. Okay? We are the minority. There are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are, look at that word. That's the minority. We, we, right, we are the party of the minority. 
And they are the, the party of the majority. But notice, again, they are the ones on the wide road. They are the ones in the wide, right, the wide gate, right? They're going to hell, right? That's the, the, the picture right there. We, we are the minority. And you've got to dare, you've got to dare, right, to be different, to be a part of that minority. In fact, do you see that? Sometimes you stay alone, Sometimes it can be a really lonely place, and you'll notice that in the Scriptures. Notice that about Elijah. Notice it about Jeremiah. You'll see it, you'll see it in Jesus. You'll see it in John the Baptist. You'll see it in the Apostles. Sometimes, sometimes it's a lonely place to be. But we're not a part of the majority. We're a part of the minority, and we are the radical. Folks, I don't know if you notice it about me. I am, let me tell you, I am a freaking radical. My wife knows that. I am, I am a radical of radicals. Now, my father, when I was 16 years old, he used to say that to me all the time before I was a Christian. He used to say, you are, you are a radical. You are a, a revolutionary. And I'm happy that I found the ultimate radical and revolutionary when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now, now there, are, there are consequences to being a part of the majority. There are consequences of daring to be different. Now, I'm not going to read this in its entirety. It's actually very hard for me to read. <laughs> not because I can't read the words. It is just very painful to read what Leviticus chapter 18, verse 6 through 17 is warning against. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother, you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. What is that? It is a warning against what? Against incest. Incest. It's, it's a warning against inbreeding, having sexual relationships with your mother or with your father or with your sister or with your brother or with your cousin. It's a, it's a warning against um, inbreeding. Against in, that whole, that, all those verses there. And I'll let, you, I'll let you read them when you go home. Why, why does God forbid incest and inbreeding? Well, you think of this, the question is asked to me, well, geez, it, you know, it seems like all of a sudden there's this change in Exodus and Leviticus that suddenly God forbids inbreeding and incest because Abraham married his half-sister, Sarah. So, so essentially what, what you look at is what happens when, you're, you know, when people inbreed. And it didn't happen at the beginning. Because the gene pool, the genome was pure. And as the generations began to be produced, it became more and more impure until now, right? When you have inbreeding, you have incest, what you end up with is contamination. You have contamination of the genome and you have abnormalities. Children are born with deformities. Children are born with abnormalities due to inbreeding. That's why, why again, God you know, forbid it. And he didn't forbid it in the beginning. But there, there are consequences to sin. Look at, look at verse 19 through 23. Also you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. I mean, right? <laughs> 
Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. What is that called? That's called adultery. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. That's child sacrifice. You shall not lie with a male or with a woman. It's an abomination. What is that? Homosexuality, sodomy. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourselves with it. That's called bestiality. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It's a perversion. By the way, the, 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 these, these are all repeated in the New Testament. Adultery, okay, child sacrifice, sodomy, bestiality, okay, it's sexual, you know, sexual sins. I can add, I can add, and it's not addressed to fornication, sex out of marriage. Okay, what, what, what happens in, in the culture, again, the morality in the time of Leviticus was, was dirt low, just like today. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, I think, it's the Canaanites, the Egyptians, their, their morality, their ethics. So what, what's happening is you have fornication and you have adultery. Now, what happens when you have fornication and adultery? What comes from that? Babies. So the, the, the Canaanites, Israel's going into Canaan. You have all the tribes, the Am, you know, Ammonites and the Canaanites and the Jebusites, right? All the ites. And um, they worship this, this god, goddess called Asherah, and they have shrine prostitution. And so they go up there, and they have men, male and female shrine prostitutes, and they have sexual relations with them. And so now you have these babies born and they are unwanted babies who are created in the image and likeness of God. Don't you understand that? Your children are not yours. You think they are. They're not. They're his. He owns them. They were created in his image and likeness. They, they are on loan to you as they were on loan to us for a time. You have a stewardship, right? They're a sacred stewardship, and they are essentially a gift on loan to you from God. When we read Samuel, Hannah's prayer, she, she prays that, you know, Samuel was a sacred stewardship and a gift from God. But he owns them. They're his. They're not yours. And by the way, if most people would come to that realization, I think there would be a lot less abortion and a lot less child abuse in this world. By the way, I look at that picture. It looks like, my, it looks like our grandson, Nathaniel. And um, so they're created in his image and in his likeness. They're his. So you have, you have again, you have this immorality happening in Israel. You have fornication. You have adultery. So you have all of these unwanted babies being conceived. See, see where the worship of Molech is thrown into the midst of that passage about sexual sin? Molech was worshipped, okay, by people bringing their children, their babies, and offering them to Molech. 
in the fires. I went to Israel and saw, uh, this was in the, the middle of um, Megiddo, on the plain of Megiddo, not far from Mount Tabor. And uh, the guide had brought us, and I only, I only saw this once, but he brought us to a, an actual, it was a shrine of Molech, and they had dug up all these little heads of infants that were sacrificed, lots of them, like hundreds of them, that were sacrificed there. So when they were offering up, again, they would be offering up their babies, right? Their unwanted, unwanted babies to Molech because of the screams of the children being thrown into the fire, they would, you see, they have trumpets, they would beat drums. I don't know if they had trumpets, but there was the continuous beating of drums to drown out the screams of the children so that the people would not have to hear. Now, you understand, this is, these children are being offered up to Satan, essentially. So as the, as the babies are being offered up, the drums, right, the drum is beating. The drum is beating to beat out, right, to, to literally you know, just mask the screams. We live in a very immoral world. Today you have, I mean, fornication. If you're single and you're not getting laid, there's something wrong with you. By the way, don't take that synopsis, that, I, that little shot that I just said, and put it out online. You don't understand what I'm saying. There's something wrong with you if you're not fornicating, right? If you are virgin, there's, there's something wrong with you. That's the message, right? From the media, that's the message. From Hollywood, it's the message in literature. That's the message you get on the web. Because everybody's doing it. Right? So you have, you have fornication, you have a lot of adultery. <laughs> even, even adultery, to the point, is, is it's just played up. Played up in movies and TV shows. And... So what do you have? You have all this, you know, premarital sex, and what do you have? You have all these unwanted babies that are conceived. Where are they offered up? At the abortion mill. But by the way, you see that the drums are beating. The drums are beating to drown out the screams. What happens to a little child? You know, I'm not going to show you pictures tonight. Oh, I tell you, my, my, whole, my whole view of abortion changed when I was reading a, a magazine by Jimmy Swaggart that showed what they do to those little babies, how they totally dismember them and mutilate them and murder them. They suck them out with a vacuum, piece by piece, put them together on a table to make sure they got all the parts. But, but you see, you don't hear about that. You don't hear about that. You don't, you don't know what, what's going on you know, in there, right? Because, you see, the drums are beating. The drums are beating from the media, right? The drums are beating. Look, look, the drums are beating. And they're drowning out the screams of the screaming babies. Right, look at the drums. Watch the drums, right? My body, my choice. My body, my choice. What about the baby's body and the baby's choice? Is there anybody in this room, and it's nobody I've ever talked to before, who said, I wish my mother aborted me, right? I wish she aborted me 
and I died and was... I never met anybody like it. What about the baby's choice? Abortion is a right. What about the baby's right to live? The drums are beating, folks. The drums are beating. They're beating in the media. They're beating in movies. They're beating out of Hollywood. They're beating on the internet. They're even beating in the churches. You won't hear a message like this. I guarantee in 95% of all churches because you know what? You don't want to offend people. People have come up to me and said this to it when I've talked about it. You don't want to Listen, don't offend people. They'll leave the church. <laughs> Abortion is a right. What about the baby's right to live? Protect safe, legal abortion. Safe? <laughs> safe? Is it, is it safe for the baby? You know, the, the most dangerous place to be in America is? It's not, it's not in the inner cities where the gangs are, 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 are shooting one another. It's not in the prisons where the prisoners are killing each other, you know what the most dangerous place to be in in America is? It's in the womb. It's in the womb. But the drums are beating. The drums are beating. March for reproductive rights. What about the rights of the child? So the drums are beating louder and louder and louder. And you can, you can hear them. You can see them. Turn on, turn on these news shows. Listen to the politicians. Just, just brainwashing people. The drums. The drums beating and beating and beating. And they just, they just continue, they continue to beat. But there are consequences. There are massive consequences for the individual, which again, they don't talk about the women who go through some really tough times after having an abortion. There are also consequences for nations. When, when Abel killed Cain, God said, his blood is crying out from the earth. Crying out for justice. And the blood, I believe the blood of the 50 million, 70 million, I don't know how many there have been since Harvey Wade, it's crying out. There's gonna, there, there, look, we, our nation is under judgment. I hope you understand that. We, we're, when our free fall into evil and greater and greater immorality, if you read Romans 1, that is judgment. Most people don't, don't realize. When, when people turn to a greater and greater evil, God has abandoned them. And this nation is becoming more and more and more. And I mean, I can't, I, in the last 10 years, I can't believe how much more evil we've become. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. What I'm saying today, let me tell you something, man. Woke. Woke would be coming. I mean, they'd be marching in here. Guys, you better protect the doors. Because if woke comes in, you know what I say to woke? Woke you. Go woke yourself. That's what I say to woke. But woke is out there, right? That's what, you know, they're they're there. They'd be screaming at a message like, this doesn't fit in, this isn't right. You're, you're a bigot, right? You're, 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 you're a racist for what you're saying. You're preaching the word, but the drums, 
The drums are beating. The drums are beating in the media. The drums are beating from the mouths of the politicians. The drums are beating in the movies. They're coming from Hollywood. They're on the internet. They're on Facebook. They're on YouTube. Right? They're in Instagram. The drums are beating from the mouths of the politicians. The drums just drown it out. Drown out the screams of the children being thrown into the fires of Molech. So why? So the passage, the passage goes on. I believe it's because they do not fear God. And if you, if you look at, at Leviticus 18, look at verse 24. It says, Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these things nations are defiled. By the way, he wiped them all out. <laughs> the Nazi empire is gone. The Roman empire is gone. The Persian and the Greek, the Egyptian, the Assyrian. Billy Graham said that if God does not judge America, he has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Do not defy yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment. Notice of its inequity upon it. I think there is a, an equal measure of judgment and punishment to the evil and the sins that they have committed. And the land, the land vomits out of its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations, notice these words, abomination, abomination, these abominations the men of this land have done for where before you and thus the land is defiled lest the land vomit you out of its uh, also when you defile it as it vomited out the nations that were before you for whoever commits any of these abominations the person who commit them shall be cut off from among their people they reap destruction national destruction and the Canaanites the Ammonites and you know God, God used Joshua. He was, by the way, it was Joshua really up to David to literally wipe out these people. But ultimately, I want to stress this, because there is no fear of God. Look at, look at Romans 3, 13 through 18. It says, Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Notice that they're, they're swift to shed blood. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Is that not true of the, the political leaders, most, most of them? Republicans and Democrats, folks. There are a lot of Republicans who are, who are pro-death. I don't call it, it um, pro-abortion, it's pro-death. And um, you look at them, the media, most of the media. 
is, is, is pro-death. There's, but there's no fear of God in, in, you know, in, in their eyes. They just, there's no fear of God, no fear of judgment, no fear of punishment. So for us, for us, know your identity. And the last verse of the chapter in Leviticus 18.30, Therefore you shall keep my ordinances so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you and that you do not defy yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. Do you understand what he's saying? You are my people. You are not going to be like the Egyptians. You are not going to be like the Canaanites. You are not going to be like the people in the world because I am the Lord your God. We belong to him. We are different. And we should be daring to be different continuously. So in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9-10, through 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. That's a picture of our identity. You know one of the biggest problems that people in the church have? They don't know who the heck they are. They don't, they don't know. They, there's, there's an identity crisis in Christ in many people. There's a, a, an old story, Alexander the Great. When he would make camp, he would sneak out. He's the, 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 this is the, you know, the, probably the, him and Napoleon, the two greatest military leaders in history. Him and Genghis Khan in there too. I mean, good or, good or evil. Um, a lot of evil. But um, Alexander the Great would walk outside the camp and what if he found one of his soldiers sleeping, he would attack them and he would beat them. And one day he, he came upon this young guy and the young man was sleeping and he grabbed him and he put him on the ground and he started pummeling him. He started punching him and hitting him. And he picked him up and he said to him, what is your name? And the boy said, my name is Alexander, sir. And he looked at him and said, you need to either change your name right, or change your behavior. And we call ourselves Christians, people of Messiah. But are we deeply identified in that? We may say it, but is it our identity? Your identity, essentially, the way you see yourself, it's your self-concept, it's your self-image, um, your, your self-identity. And um, so modern-day psychology catches up to things in the Scripture. So you'll hear from the psychologist that basically we always act in accord with our identity. So we, we will always talk and we will always behave. We, we will always think. Our habits will be in harmony with the way we see ourselves and with, with our actual identity. This is, by the way, the, the, the identity crisis in the church, there, I mean, you, you can find there are now teachers doing seminars in churches around the country. Some who just specialize. It's like they, they felt a calling from God. The Spirit spoke to their heart and said, the church needs to know who they are. The people in the pews need to hear and understand who they are in Jesus Christ. Because it seems like they are more conforming to the world than conforming to Christ. 
I just want to read this. This is I I, I just put a, a, pulled a few things, but um, John one twelve. I am a child of God. And so uh, I've done I, I've done an identity little identity lessons, and I've asked people, you know, who are you? Tell me about yourself. What are you? I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a teacher. I'm a lawyer. I'm a carpenter. Right? I'm a, I'm a nurse. All those things, like I said, I said about myself, as a pastor, all that's going away. Very few people would say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. John 15, 15, as a disciple, I am a friend of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1, I have been justified. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, I am united with the Lord and I am one with him in spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I am a member of Christ's body. Ephesians 1, 3-8, I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. Colossians 1, uh, verse 13 and 14, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, I am complete in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16, I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. Gives you a good idea about our identity. I'll give you an identity statement that I've memorized. This is scripture. I'm not going to cite all the verses, but I am created in the image and likeness of God, wonderfully and marvelously made, created a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor. I am like a tree planted by streams of living water that yield its fruit in season. My leaves do not wither and everything I do prospers. I, I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am a king. I am a priest. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and God works everything together for my good because I have been called according to his purpose. Now, that may sound very boastful if you didn't know that it came from Scripture. That would sound very proud if you didn't know it came from Scripture. But it all has come from Scripture, and it is what God has said about us. Two great revelations. The big revelation of the Word of God. The big revelation of the Word of God is what? God. <laughs> it's God. God, God revealing Himself. This this will tell you what God is like. It will talk about his attributes, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his immutability, his eternalness, his love, his holiness, his righteousness. Tell us that he is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, but one Godhead. One nature. One God nature. Give you a whole lot of revelations about who he is, about what he's done, about what he's going to do. The second great revelation that comes to us through the Scriptures is what? It's what we are. And God reveals to us, you know, people searching, you know, they're searching, oh, I need to find out. I want to, I want to find myself. It was back in the 60s, they would like, you know, you, you have to peel the layers off of your life to find yourself. It's like peeling an onion. You ever peel an onion and you peel one layer and what, what happens when you get down to the center of the onion? There ain't nothing there. And your eyes are tearing because you thought you were going to find something good and you didn't find nothing. You want to find out who you are, you'll find out who you are in this book and in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll find out that you're a sinner. But you'll also find out that God values you with such an incredible value that he would send his son to die on a cross for you, 
to give you eternal life and to bring you into a relationship. And now you are a son. We are sons of God. I'll say sons and daughters of God. But we are sons of God and he was the first. But now there's succession. Not that we're God's is that there is a succession of us who have come to know him that will spend eternity with him with the privileges and the inheritance that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Final word. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world because it's ever, folks, it's working on me all the time to conform me. It's, 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 it's there. It's, it's trying to conform me into its petty, ignorant, deceived image. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How, how do we get transformed by the renewing of our mind? When you, when you read the word. Right? God, God renews your mind. He washes your mind. Ephesians chapter 5, right? He washes our minds through the word. Worship. Worship. When you're, when you're standing and you're praising God and you're, you're exalting the Lord, I mean, you're, you're not just going through the motions, but when you are worshiping God, you're, you know, worship is, is a state of the heart, not a state of the art. So when you are worshiping God and you're having a God experience here, He's transforming you. Worship is an incredible Opportunity to be transformed. Right? And then prayer. Fellowship. All those things. That, that, that's how we are, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then watch. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Now you're testing. Right? Test everything. Test the things that are coming at you. Test the temptations that are coming at you. Test the tests that are coming at you just to make sure that they are the will of God. You'll find out what is good and acceptable and perfect to the Lord. But the world will try, the world will try to, let me tell you, it will try to conform you to its image, make you prideful, lustful, right? Arrogant. Deceived? <laughs> you, you, you have to resist that being conformed and then be ever given yourself to being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, hey, final word, don't be afraid to be different. Be afraid of being the same as everyone else. I like being different. I don't know about you. I like, don't you like, I like being different. I don't like fitting in with the crowd. I like being different. And I think that that's what Jesus called us to be different. Not just for the sake of being different, but being different for his glory. So let's pray. You know what I'm going to do too? We're we're, going to end. We'll end the service. I'm going to end in a prayer. And then we're going to have a time. We'll break up into small groups and have prayer. Pray for our nation. Pray for the world. Pray for the Ukraine. Pray that more people would catch the, uh, the fire of being different. Joey, are we 